Hey everybody, my name is Danielle McCartan. Hi to the night owls and those who are near and dear to me that have set their alarms, like I said, at this ungodly hour to listen to me on probably the most famous sports station in the entire world, WFAN. Uh, rocking for the next hour with you guys till uh, just about 4 o'clock in the morning. Then Tony Page will take over. Uh, I got to tell you that I had just spent, I got back from 12 days in Italy. Uh, great trip. Saw everything that there was to see. However, I was without Wi-Fi for the most part. No internet. I was starving for the internet, for sports. So I had put on the TV in the hotel just to to see something, see some sort of sport. And I was never so delighted to watch D-League soccer in my entire life. I'm not even a soccer fan, and I know the United States just won the, the Gold Cup final tonight. Uh, but I was never so excited to see soccer in my entire life because I was just so starving for sports. So I've been 12 days pretty much without the internet, without sports or anything. Like I said, it was a great trip. We read, rode the gondolas in Venice. We uh, went down to Marinello, drove the Ferraris, had a, a cooking class in, in Florence, uh, went to the Coliseum, obviously, and then we made our way down south all the way to Positano, Amalfi Coast, um, Capri, the Blue Grotto. So for those of you that uh, know exactly what I'm talking about, I guess I could say Buona Sera or even Buona Martina to you guys, and, and you guys can understand what I'm saying. Um, but it was a great trip, probably for reasons not relating to sports, though, because it, it, I was just cut off from the world, and, and you don't know what that feels like until it actually happens to you. So, you know, being absent for 12 days, I'm going to say in Italian, le cose cambieranno, ma soprattutto rimangono lo stesso. And that's what that means is the more things change, the more they stay the same, it seems to be, in, in the New York sports uh, scene, right? So first, uh, first thing I looked at, because I am a Yankee fan, I did look at the Yankees' progress as soon as I got home. I did see that Aaron Judge is still smashing baseballs into oblivion. <laughs> I, I saw the one, obviously, on a replay that left almost left Safeco Field in Seattle the other night. They said it was only 440 feet. I don't believe that. I think it was a lot farther. I think uh, it broke StatCast, I think, is what they were saying. And uh, Aaron Judge is still leading the league in home runs, tied with Giancarlo Stanton. So uh, I didn't miss much when it when it came to Aaron Judge in belting home runs. <laughs> uh, next, uh, Starlin Castro has headed to the, the DL again. So that really hasn't changed over the past 12 days, well, 13, 14 days. Masahiro Tanaka is still stinking up the place. He's, uh, I looked at his stat line. He's 7-9, the 5.37 ERA. And that puts him as the 65th best pitcher in the entire MLB. 65th. And he was supposed to be the Yankees' number one entering this season. So he's still stinking up the place. And that, has, that hasn't changed. Uh, when I had got home, the Yankees had just won their first series uh, versus the Mariners since early June. Uh, David Robertson is still, again, sporting the high socks on number 30 on the mound for the Yankees. That's a familiar sight. And Boston, Boston Red Sox are still clutching to first place in the AL East. Yankees are still second in the AL East. So things with the Yankees are pretty much the same as, as I had left them. So that's not so much of a big deal. Another Mets uh, pitcher is injured. That's nothing new for the Mets. That's right, Zach Wheeler has been uh, placed on the DL yet again. Uh, he has a stress injury to his right arm. They're saying it's a bone injury. 
that's pretty serious. And I don't need to tell you, especially if you're a Met fan, that that's just in the long line of injuries for the, for the New York Mets pitchers especially. So we got Noah Syndergaard, a latissimus tear, no timeline for return. Matt Harvey, stress injury to his shoulder, no timeline for return. Robert Gazelman, hamstring strain. I think he's, he's not far from, from uh, resuming baseball activities and coming back soon. I think he's the closest out of all of them. And then we had Steven Matz and St- Seth Lugo back after missing the first two months with elbow injuries. And uh, <laughs> some of you guys may even hope that Steven Matz goes back on the, the injury list out of the past three performances he's had, especially for tonight. We'll get into that a little bit later. And, of course, Ioannis uh, Cespedes, he uh, tweaked his hamstring while running the bases. Okay, I get it. He legged out two triples, and one, I think, was technically a triple, but he turned it into an inside-the-park all-round. I get it. He tweaked his hamstring. I get it. But he's also a professional athlete, so you have to have some level of, of conditioning for that, don't you think? Another constant for the Mets, J- Jacob deGrom wins his eighth straight. He has been the only, I'm going to say the only, bright spot for the Mets this entire season. He's 12-3, and and through those eight wins, he had a 1.61 ERA. He has been the only bright spot for the Mets in my eyes this year. Uh, Bad news for the Mets, though, he can't pitch every day. So they're going to have to figure out something in in that rotation, and and something soon. Uh, I've heard some, or I've seen some things online that, that people want to trade him because that might be, he's, uh, I think he's 29 years old and that's the, the most you're going to get for him is at his prime and this and that. But that's, that's ridiculous. There's no way Jacob deGrom is going to be leaving the New York Mets if they were smart. He's, he's their cornerstone. He's, he's their pillar. He's their only beacon of light. And there's no reason why anybody should put deGrom on the trading block. And, of course, the Mets are still trying to force Michael Conforto to be a leadoff hitter. I got some stats for you. In 55 games as a leadoff hitter, Conforto is batting 284. Makes him 61 for 215. Tonight, again, he was in the number one spot. 0 for 4. However, he's had 37 at-bats in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth spots, the middle of the order. He's hitting 324 from the middle of the lineup. Batting third, specifically batting third, He's at a 500 average. Okay, it's 10 at-bats, sure. But it's still five hits in 10 at-bats. It's a 500 average. I'm not sure why the Mets are still forcing him to be a a leadoff hitter. So that hasn't changed over the past 12 days while I was bronzing myself on the the, uh, Amalfi Coast. Uh, The Mets, uh, I I just think that the Mets are at that point in the season. Some people are saying that, that the Mets should, you know, they're making a surge, and, and they should be buyers. I don't think so. I think the Mets should put a nice big garage sale sign up at City Field, and I think they should be experimenting, trying some different things, and just selling. Sell, sell, sell. They're still, you know, when I left, I think they were 12 and a half games back in the NL East. I, I think now they're 13 and a half or 13. Uh, they're surging enough to the point where people are wondering if they should be buyers or sellers. Like I said, for me, sell, sell, sell. Bring up Rosario. See what he can do for you next year. You need to be playing for next year. A lot like the Jets. <laughs> year in and year out. I am a Jet fan too, unfortunately. But I think I've signed a one-year deal with the Giants this season to, uh, to root for a team that may, may be a winner. Um, 
Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather are still jabber-jawing at each other. Uh, we're going to hear that until uh, just about a month from now, August 26th at the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas. Is that going to be is, is that fight? Mike Tyson's even getting in on the action. You know, everybody has an opinion on this, uh, whether you're a professional athlete, uh, obviously a sports talk radio person. Mike Tyson is now getting in on the action. He says McGregor will, quote, get killed by Mayweather. Of course, Conor McGregor responded uh, with a tweet that said, that's nice, Mike, but you're looking at the new Don King here, son. Money is mine. That's an end quote. That's a direct quote. Of course, Dana White, president of the UFC, gets in on the action and says, quote, I see McGregor getting in, turning it into a fight, and roughing Floyd up. People are still wondering if others are going to watch, where they're going to watch. You can watch it now at home for $99, or you can go to select movie theaters and watch it for $40 a ticket, which what is a movie ticket nowadays? $20 anyway? What's another $20? You can see it on the big screen, surround sound, in the company of 200 of your closest friends. But does McGregor really have it in him to beat Mayweather, the champ? I actually asked Ray Boom Boom Mancini this months ago, like December. And he said that McGregor, this is what he said. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that McGregor, as a champion himself, should respect other champions. And he did not have many more nice things to say about McGregor. Obviously, you could tell that that the UFC guys are, are backing McGregor and the boxing guys are backing uh uh, Floyd Mayweather. So yesterday, McGregor uh, came out in, in a press conference and said that, make no mistake, heel, meaning May, uh, Mayweather, will be sparked unconscious. I know how to move around the ring and find my way to knock out victory. Uh, New York Knicks, still discord and instability among them. The new general manager, Scott Perry, he's been there for about a week, hasn't met James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. Nowhere along the hiring process, nowhere along the congratulations, is that indifference or by design? Dolan said in a statement on Knicks.com, quote, while we are currently evaluating how best to move forward regarding the leadership of the organization, I will not be involved in the operation of the team, end quote. People are calling for Kristaps Porzingis to be on the cr- trading block. That's ridiculous. Derek Rose gets traded, and he gets traded to the Cavaliers. And the new Cavs GM, Kobe Altman, says that, he, that, that Derek Rose wanted to be around an excellent players and play meaningful games. That's a huge dig at the New York Knicks. Carmelo Anthony wants to go to the Rockets, and we'll get into the Jets, Giants in a little while, but I'll tell you, the Jets are still looking for a quarterback. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're going to talk about, uh, first of all, your Jets, uh, um, no, your Mets and Yankees uh, predictions, trade rumors, what do you want to do with the players on your team? Yankees are obviously buyers, Mets are obviously sellers. And then a little bit later in the program, we'll get to the Giants and Jets, your wish list for, for things for, for them. So you can call the WFAN toll-free line, 877-337-6666. That's brought to you by Hot Summer Fun at Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, now through September 3rd. Giants and Jets training camps open tomorrow. And throughout the summer, get all the latest on both teams as Paul Dottino covers Big Blue and Brian Costello follows Gang Green here on your flagship station for New York football and the NFL. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. New York's biggest fan, Sports Radio
Hey everybody, I'm Danielle McCartan, back with you guys. We're set to talk a little bit New York Yankees, New York Mets here. I just want to set the table for you guys first. Callers are calling in. I'm so excited. Um, first off, oh, and if you still want to call in, the number is 877-337-6666. You can also tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I can uh, take the best couple tweets for, per segment and, and read them out on the air here. So the New York Yankees have uh, three straight wins, second series win in a row. Severino pitched like an ace today, completely dominant start. He recorded 21 outs. 17 were either strikeouts or infield groundouts, so nine of those were strikeouts. Um, Girardi said he had the best stuff of the season. D.D. Gregorius is still rolling. Since the All-Star game, he's batting 388, 19 hits, 6 home runs, 10 RBIs. Clint Frazier making it really hard for Joe Girardi to take him out. Uh, and the Rays are an important series uh, coming up with 63 games to go. On the other side of New York... The New York Mets are, are, in my opinion, sellers. Tonight, the Mets at one point had the bases loaded but couldn't capitalize. They were one for six with runners in scoring position. Steven Matz got clobbered early, and that was that was the story. Uh, three innings pitched, nine hits, six earned runs, only four strikeouts, and a 5.51 ERA. Makes me wonder, is he hurt? His ERA, I, I believe, is up 14-something. So, uh those of you people that are expecting the Mets to be buyers at this point, a little surge that they've had, you got to look at the schedule because next week they have the Rockies and the Dodgers, and you'll be singing a different tune, no doubt. Uh, bright spot for the Mets is uh, we'll talk about Ahmed Rosario real quick. Uh, tonight in Las Vegas, he finished four for five, all singles with an RBI and two runs scored. He's 21 years old. He's got a batting average before tonight of 329, 17 stolen bases, seven home runs. Almost perfect fielding percentage at AAA Las Vegas. All right, so I got Dennis from Denville. Dennis is my cousin, so let's go to him first, family first. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Hey, how are you? <laughs> good, how are you? It's always good to hear another Italian on the radio. I like it. <laughs> All right, what do you got? So what's the deal with uh, what's your take? Because I'm really liking Clint Frazier right now. And when Hicks comes back, uh, what are you feeling what they're going to do with it? Because I like seeing Frazier. Uh, I like seeing Clint. In, in the lineup, I like seeing him hitting. He's aggressive. He runs hard. It was like two days ago he ran for that. Uh, looked like it was going to be a single. He made it a double. He hustles out of the box. Not saying that uh, Hicks doesn't do that, but I like seeing a younger guy up there. What do you think they're going to do when Hicks comes in um, from injury? Well, what they're going to do and what they should do are probably going to be two different things. I think uh, they will keep Hicks. They're going to send down Frazier. They've said that they're going to. Um, and I'm with you. I, I like Frazier. Everything you said, I, I agree with. Everything. He's got 11 extra base hits since July 1st, entering today's game. Today, he, he put the first two runs on the board for the Yankees. He made it a 2 nothing game, single-handedly. But unfortunately, I think that the Yankees are married to Hicks. I'd like to see him packaged in a trade deal. Uh, but I know that won't happen. And, and they're just married to, to Hicks. And until something moves, something happens with, with Ellsbury or, or whatever, that's the way it's just going to be. They're going to send Frazier down, and and but he'll be back though when the hopefully the Yankees make the playoffs and everything. Once the rosters expand, I imagine Frazier will be back up. So it won't be for long that he'll be gone. But still, out of principle, I, I I just think they should keep him where he is. What do you think they should get in a trade for him? For Hicks? Yeah. What do you De- think they should get for him? Definitely, he, they need to package him because they can't sell him on on his own. But I, Yankees need starting pitching. That's. For years, that's, that's the same story. I mean, Tanaka's not pitching like the one or two they expected. Pineda's out for the season. Luis Sessa and Caleb Smith are their other options for number five, and 
They've got high-year ERAs, short outings. They're not the answer for, for number five. So you have to package Hicks with someone else for a starting pitcher, but the, the biggest deficit the Yankees have is obviously starting pitching. All right. I hope Sonny Gray. I really hope, I hope so, too. Yeah. Enter, the, enter the sweepstakes, though. A <laughs> bunch of teams are out after him. <laughs> All right. All right, Dennis. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. I have to go to uh, the, the amount of times that I've been here. I've never seen a girl's name on, on the call here. So let's go out to Brooklyn. Allison in Brooklyn. She wants to talk about the Mets. So, All right, uh, Allison. What's up? It's, it's a woman from Brooklyn. <laughs> um, I'm a lifelong Mets fan, and I'm calling for two reasons. Mm-hmm. I actually am not usually up this late, but I had surgery, Me neither. so I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm three things. One is I agree with you completely that I think the Mets, as much as it breaks my heart, I think the Mets need to be sellers. I, I'm just kind of hoping that they end the year at 500. That's my dream, uh, which is pretty sad considering how we thought they were going to be this year. Um my second thought is that uh, I wish they would give you more time. Um, I hope you're going to get more chances on the air. Thank you. And um, because obviously from the little time you've had, you, you're very sports knowledgeable. And one of my favorite people on the fan is actually Lori Rubinson, mm-hmm. although she is sort of more into football than she is to in, into baseball. But I really love listening to her. And I think there should be more women on the fan. Uh, I agree. In general. Um, so, uh, so I hope they give you more time. And, uh, and I just wanted to say that I do agree with you, and I do have a sneaking suspicion that maybe there's something wrong with Mets, but yeah. knowing my Mets, they won't tell us until later in the game. <laughs> so <laughs> it, to it seems to be the theme of the Mets, uh, the injuries. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, it, it, it's just heartbreaking um almost 60 years of this oh. but um anyway much good luck thank you. and uh thanks so much for taking my call no thank you appreciate the call thanks allison okay bye bye all right let's go to jack in bergenfield what's on your mind jack hey danielle welcome home from italy oh, uh, grazie grazie it's going to be a great show it sounds like and uh obviously i'm a first-time caller you know I'm a huge, I mean, the world knows I'm a huge Yankee fan, huge. I was there today, Seve pitched like there was no tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, both Frasers delivered. Um, I'm going Saturday to the 77 reunion. Now, the Yanks have done better this year, they really have, than anyone anticipated, yeah. and, and it's thanks to those baby bombers, it really is. They're hungry, they're ready to play. You mentioned briefly a trade for starting pitching. Do you see any other trades before the deadline happening uh, for the Yankees? I don't think so. I think uh, starting pitching is their, their number one, and I don't think they're going to give up much of anybody. They have six of the top ten uh, prospects. They're not going to give up much of those guys. For I mean, their, their bullpen is stacked. They have a stacked lineup. Their only deficiency is at the starting pitching. So, no, I, I don't think they're going to do anything unless it has to do with a, a starting pitcher. Do you think the starting pitcher that they'd go after would be a big name, or do you think it would be like a number three, four, five pitcher? I think they need a number one or a number two at least, a number right. two, one or two guy, because, you know, like you said, Severino pitched lights out today, but who else is there? Who Who is the number two? Exactly. Certainly not Tanaka. No, and and he was he was expecting to be the number one, and Pineda yeah. too. Definitely. You're so. right. 
All right, I appreciate you taking my call. It, it sounds like a great show. I'm listening. All right, thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. And some of the other options for the Yankees are, are Sonny Gray, obviously is, is probably number one on their on their bullseye. Justin Verlander's up there. He's got a very expensive contract, but I'm wondering if he could just kind of just swap. They take, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, so I, I'm hoping they're going to take Jacoby Ellsbury off our hands and we can get Justin Verlander, but that'll never happen, I don't think. And you, Darvish, uh, awful outing tonight. He's pretty married to the, uh, the Texas Rangers, so I'm not sure if he's going to, well, it doesn't matter what he wants, but I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I think he just wants to stay in Texas. All right, let's go to Paul and Warren. Wants to talk about the Yankees. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, great job. Thank you. I think you'll do very, very well in this industry. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, real quick, would you recommend Italy for a family vacay? <laughs> it depends. If you want to do a, a tour or no. not a tour. No, just like a quick family, you know, six, seven days. Parli italiano. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I would say... Uh, if you did it, you would have to not travel throughout the entire country like I had done. I would pick a region or a couple areas and just stick to that. Okay. Did you get to Milan? No, not this time. Oh. No, we had a direct flight into Venice, which was great. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, I was at the Yankee game yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was there with two very, very, very uh, intellectual Yankee fans. These guys go all the way back to the early 60s. <laughs> so... And uh, basically, yeah. we we thought their offense was, you know, it was it was good. I wouldn't say it was you know fantastic, but it was a little bit better than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, that Reno looked good. Their bullpen, I think, is very good. I agree with you on their starting pitching. I don't think it's bad, but when you take a good look at some of the other teams, um, they're a little bit um, dilapidated. You know. In which way? They're starting pitching. Well, I mean, Tanaka, you don't really know what you're getting there. Right. Which is pretty, pretty much what you were saying. Um, Sabathi's actually had a very good year. Severino's great. I'm not sure about Sessa, and the guys I was with said the same thing. Um, and Batances, who really has a fantastic stuff, I realize he's in the bullpen. He's not quite as steady or as, you know, uh, sensational as some people might have thought right now. Yeah, that could I, change. Yeah, the strength of the Yankees pitching staff is obviously going to be the relief pitching. So, right. um, like I said, they have to bolster the starting pitching, and, and they could uh, they can make a deep run at this, which no one expected entering this season. Yeah, but if they're going to get a guy like Sonny Gray or Verlander or the other guy you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way. Yeah. That's a great job in your report. Well, thank you. The whole thing, of course, is what do you have to give up, and that could be tricky. Yeah, I mean, you got a stockpile of prospects. What are you going to use them for? Right. right. Well, yeah, depending on how how other people are doing health-wise and everything else. All right, Paul, thanks for the call. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks. All right, so we're going to do some Jets-Giants coming up after the break. And phone number to call in again, 877-337-6666. And you can always tweet me at Coach McCartan. And uh, talk to you in a few. Get an early start to your morning with Al Dukes and Jerry Recco. This morning at 545, followed by Boomer and Carton from 6 to 10. Here on your flagship station for New York sports, The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. New York's Fan, Sports Radio 1019. Radio 66 WFAN New York 
Hey everybody, I'm Danielle McCartan, back with you guys to talk a little bit about NFL before uh, we hit uh, Tony Page back at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yes, 4 o'clock in the morning. Still lively out there, getting a lot of tweets, a couple phone calls. So we are on the eve. It is like Christmas Eve now of the NFL training camp, the NFL season. The Giants are, are to report later today, which is Thursday, and the Jets are to report on Friday. So I came up with a couple of the storylines that I see playing out for each team entering training camp. So I guess we could start with the Jets. Uh, the number one question for the Jets is going to be, in my opinion, who's the quarterback? Because they have three quarterbacks on the roster, and um, they haven't committed to one just yet as the starter. I know Josh McCown has the most experience, obviously. Um, what cracks me up is, you know, he's a journeyman quarterback, and I, I saw a tweet that he put out once of all the, of all the teams he's been on. His daughter and her friends had got together at school and taken a picture of them each wearing a jersey from all the different teams that he was on. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, obviously, Bryce Petty uh, coming back from injury. And Christian Hackenberg, who hasn't gotten a first-team you know, rep yet, even in practice. So this is going to be interesting. So who's the quarterback for the Jets, number one? Number two is going to be Todd Bowles and Mike McCagney, I believe, are, are definitely going to be on the boiling hot seat this season because we saw a mass exodus of veteran talent and I'm not even going to get all of them but Decker, Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Bruno Giacomini, Nick Mangold, Darrell Rivas, they're all gone and how are the Jets and how are is Coach Bowles, how are they going to develop the young players, the young talent that they have and, and, to, and to mold those guys into being players because right now I'm looking at like a, like a ball of clay and that's all they are, just a ball of clay. It's up to Todd Bowles to to, to uh, extract that and make something out of that. And it'd be interesting to see. And I think that if he can't do it, if they can't pull it together, one or both of them is out by the end of the season. It's a shame because I like Todd Bowles. He's a good guy. Um, and number three, which young players are going to step up for the Jets, obviously, in, in the wake of the departure, the, the purge, if you will. I know Quincy Nunwa is now their number one receiver. And uh, there's another question. Which veterans will complete the purge? Because I don't think it's done. I don't think it's over. Is Sheldon Richardson going to stick around? I mean, Muhammad Wilkerson, I saw him back in May. He looks great. After reports came out that, that he didn't, or he wasn't in good physical shape, I thought he looked great. So I guess that's a two-parter. Which young players are going to step up and which veterans are going to complete the purge and be on their way out, packing their bags? So those are my top three for the Jets. Some giant storylines entering camp. Uh, what's up with the offensive line? What is up with the offensive line? And this is uh, Steve Gamrat. Sorry if I didn't say that right, but Steve tweeted me. He wants to know what's up with the Giants. Well, Steve, here it is for you. The offensive line, number one, is the Giants' biggest uh, issue that they have going for them because uh, they forced Eli Manning to be a a, a one-dimensional player and the offense to be one-dimensional last year, and that's what really bit them, especially in the game versus the Packers that they lost, obviously, in the playoffs. Uh, also, to my dismay, Jerry Reese, obviously a general manager, all but ignored the offensive line in the draft until the sixth round. The sixth round. Eric Flowers needs to figure it out. He was one of the lowest-rated left tackles in the league last season. However, this year, the Giants say he's leaner, quicker, lighter on his feet. He's also taken a boxing. I know Tony would appreciate that. He's also taken a boxing which means he has quicker hands and, and, you know, defending the guys rushing at him. We'll see. Second biggest thing is going to be Brandon Marshall's impact, not just on the field, because we know Eli Manning loves the big guys, the Plaxico Burris, tall, lanky sort. 
But also, how, how is he going to mentor Odell Beckham Jr.? Because I see a lot of Odell Beckham Jr. in a young Brandon Marshall. I asked him that question, too, and he sort of deflected it. But don't worry. I'll get the answer for you guys. Um, and number three, where is the running game? Obviously, that goes hand-in-hand hand with the offensive line. Where is the offensive line? But where is the running game? Rashad Jennings is gone. We're looking at Paul Perkins, Shane Vereen, and Orleans Darkwa as the one, two, and three backs or splitting time. Who really knows how that's going to go? So those are my three storylines for the Giants. Where's the offensive line? What's Brandon Marshall's impact? And where is the running game? Let's go to Manhattan. Vernon wants to talk Jets. Go ahead. What do you got? Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Let's talk about the Jets here a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, when, when you look at the Jets and the Mets, they have like super fans. For the Mets, there's Cowbell Man and Pin Man. And yeah. for the Jets, of course, it's Fireman Ed. My question to you is this. Even though it's a mixture in fans, how they feel about him, do you think that they should bring him back? And if yes or no, um, have trials to have someone get that fans pumped by saying J-E-T-S, yes, yes, yes. What's your thoughts? Uh, well... Fireman Ed, see, I have a little bit of a problem. I, I never met him. I don't know him. But Fireman Ed got out when the going was tough, and I didn't appreciate about that about him. He right. didn't stick with the Jets through and through. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I'm not sure how – I'm calling into question his fandom, I guess, because if you're always a fan, you're always a fan, right? That's true. So, uh, you know, but I think it would be an interesting concept to have, you know, a super fan tryout contest, <laughs> bring him out to the 50-yard <laughs> line and, and see who's got the best act. I agree. Would you have an act? Uh, well, the thing is, uh, I, I can't step in his footprints. Well, he was actually at City Field, and the the Mets fans just loved him. They came up. He took pictures with them. He talked with them. Uh, he signed autographs with them. Oh they, of course, they had security with him. But it was just fun just having them there, uh, you know, even though it's not uh, baseball versus football. Yeah. But I think they need to bring that drive back to the Jets, get them pumped up in the opening games, you know, get them back in it. I don't know. I think it has to come from within the Jets, the, the players on the Jets. I think, I mean, I've been to games. They do the J-E-T-S cheer when, when the kickoffs and everything, but... I think there's got to be a leader on the Jets to come out. Maybe it could be um, uh, Leonard Williams coming yeah. out and get the fans pumped. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just anything to get these fans pumped because over the years they the, the Jets fans have suffered. So <laughs> I hope they can get some things together in the correct way. And thank you so much for taking my call and have a nice day. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine a tryout to be the Jets super fan? I'd be first in line, I'll tell you that right about now. What would your act be? I don't know, but anything to get into those games for free, because if I know one thing about MetLife Stadium, it is not cheap. No, I was just looking up tickets for Jets-Giants preseason game. 70 bucks to sit, you know, not that close. To watch Christian Hackenberg throw four interceptions. <laughs> I might go with my Giants jersey that day. My Eli Manning t-shirt. <laughs> um, so getting back to the Jets-Giants, I mean... I think the more intriguing storyline is going to be the Giants this year. They are on the cusp of the of something great. They are on the cusp of greatness this year, the Giants. And as long as their offensive line can pull together, as long as they, they become a two-dimensional team where at least there's the threat of possibly running the ball, I think they're going to find a lot of success. Their defense is stacked. 
I mean, you got Jason Pierre-Paul, I think, was he said he said the word Super Bowl. I mean, you got Landon Collins, who's like an all-world defensive back. I mean, it, the defense is not the, 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 the issue for the Giants, but obviously the offense is, is where it originates. I mean, you can you have to score some sort of points to win a game. You can't just win with zero. Um, but the Giants have weapons this year. They, they've drafted Evan Ingram, tight end, wide receiver sort of dude from Ole Miss in the first round. Uh, I did talk with him. He sees, you know, I asked him, I said, I know you're going to say whatever's best for the team, but where do you prefer to line up on the line? And he said in the slot. And I heard somebody talking about how, um, you know, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to complain when, when he, he doesn't get as many receptions this year, that the ball has to be spread around. If if Odell Beckham Jr. is the team player that, that I actually think he is, it's not going to matter. As long as they're winning, it's not going to matter. Right, winning cures everything. But when you start losing, that's when you know things happen. And I actually think, and I said this to his face, that Brandon Marshall was the best off off season move that any team made this entire off season. I think by adding Brandon Marshall, the Giants immediately put themselves in, into Super Bowl contention. I'll say it. I think so. Uh, I, I just think that like like prior uh, prior callers had been calling in that. If the offensive line can keep Eli, you know, upright, and, you know, Eli Manning is is a pocket passer. He's not running anywhere, and he's not going anywhere fast. So his comfort zone is in the pocket, and when he feels rushed or he feels unprotected, that's when he starts winging the ball all over the place, and that's that's when bad thing decisions happen. But if he stands in there and is able to deliver a pass, you know, he's going to go for Super Bowl number three. And that's definitely going to enshrine himself in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, no doubt. At the end of his career, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, all right, so I'm uh, I'm getting the two minute warning here. So I just want to say, this, this, first of all, this went so fast. Everybody said it was going to go so fast, and it did. So I want to thank uh, Mark Chernoff here at CBS for just giving me this shot, giving me this opportunity for the callers that were calling in. You guys are great, Chris behind the glass. Uh, Tony for allowing me to, uh, on his watch, to, to come in and take an hour of his show tonight. I just want to thank everyone that has helped me along the way, especially in allowing me to interview some of the biggest athletes to ever play their respective sports. Uh, you all know who you are. I wouldn't be here without you. And uh, just final thanks to my friends and family who set alarms for 3 a.m. to listen to my radio debut on WFAN. Uh, it means a lot. And, uh, oh, Cousin Dennis for calling in. Thanks. We're going to the Yankee game tomorrow. His treat. <laughs> um, and, and just uh, stay tuned for what's next, everybody. I don't know what's next. We'll see. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to shout out my Twitter page just one more time. It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Coach McCartan. Yes, I do coach volleyball and softball. <laughs> um, that's that. Oh, if you're on Facebook, too, some some uh, you don't have Twitter, uh, it's just type in facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And uh, Tony Page will be up in a minute, or a couple, actually. Take over the mic back in the, in the 4 a.m. hour. I just want to say thanks again for everybody having me. And I, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much.